Hi, I'm Janet Francis, the president of the Indianapolis Rowing Center, and you're listening to Steady State Podcasts. Sit ready! <laughs> I'm Tara Morgan. And I'm Rachel Friedman. Here at Steady State Podcast, we're really interested in backstories, real life experiences on and off the water that make people the rowers, coaches, and coxswains they are today. From indoor rowing to flat water masters to coastal and ocean adventurers, we celebrate you who represent the global humanity of our sport. Together, we disrupt and expand the narrative about rowing culture. If you're a first time listener, welcome. If you're coming back for another episode, thanks for being here. On the last episode, part three of our series on gender identity policy, we sat down with Kevin Harris, whose coaching career began in the early 1990s and culminated with 20 plus years at the helm of the University of Tulsa Women's Rowing Program. A member of U.S. Rowing's DEI committee, Coach Harris offers his unique perspective on NCAA, U.S. Rowing, and World Rowing Gender Identity Policies and how collegiate programs are integrating gender non-conforming athletes. If you missed it, listen anytime at steadystatenetwork.com slash podcast or anywhere you get podcasts. State Podcast is sponsored in part by RowSource, providing design services for clubs, organizations, and regattas. Begin your free consultation at rowsource.com. When it comes to clubs and boathouses, we want to meet the people that make them vibrant, engaging, inclusive, successful, and of course, fun. With that in mind, our semi-regular Club Spotlight series takes us across the country and around the world. This week, we're heading to Indianapolis, Indiana for U.S. Rowing Masters Nationals and want to get to know more about the host club, Indianapolis Rowing Center. In the early 1980s, the city of Indianapolis was actively promoting amateur sports as an economic development strategy. A couple of successful regattas led to the founding of the Rowing Center and a plan to develop a world-class rowing course at Eagle Creek. Now, nearly four decades later, the rowing course remains one of the country's premier venues, and Indianapolis Rowing Center offers community rowing programs for all ages. Today, we're talking with Janet Francis, IRC board president and master's rower, Zach Christopher, master's head coach, and Lisa Stickley, a recent Learn to Row graduate. Thank you all for being with us today. Morning. Morning. Hey there, everybody. Matera's out on the West Coast. I am here in Washington, D.C., so we've kind of got the whole the whole country covered with all five of us here. Thank you for joining us this morning. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. So Rachel and I love to do club spotlights and we usually do about two or three a year. And we've done everybody from Nassau Rowing Club in Bahamas to Halifax in Nova Scotia. And most notably, uh, we did Oak Ridge, uh, which happens to be my hometown and my home boathouse, but also was the host at the time of Masters Nationals. So that's why we wanted to talk to you as a precursor to the big event coming up. We found that people actually listen to our podcast on the way to the event. So we thought this would be great travel podcast to listen to as people are making their way to Indianapolis. I'll go first. This one's easy for me. Hi, my name is Lisa Stickley. I learned to row May of last year. When I'm not at the boathouse, I'm looking at sail flow, trying to figure out if we're going to row. <laughs> so trying to figure that out. And then I own a couple businesses, so it keeps me pretty busy. 
My name is Zach Christopher. I learned to row ooh, sometime in 2012 uh, at high school, um, Toledo St. John's Jesuit High School. Um, did not row in college, but while I was in college, I coached uh, for the junior team at Great Miami Rowing Club in Hamilton, Ohio. Uh, currently coach masters at Indianapolis Rowing Center. Uh, and when I'm not at the boathouse, I am either building lineups for our masters um, or working my day job at the NCAA. Hey, cool. All right, Janet, you want to give this a try? I sure will. My name is Janet Francis. I learned to row about 20 years ago in my adult life uh, at Indianapolis Rowing Center in a learn to row class. So I never rowed in high school or college or anything like that. And when I'm not at the boathouse, I pretty much help IRC with, you know, just oversight and where we're headed and what we're doing. So as president of the board, I end up getting involved in a lot of variety of things. And we certainly appreciate that. All those volunteers who get in those leadership positions, you know, holla holla. So shout out to all those folks. And we'd like to start off our episode by asking everybody, how is your rowing week going? It was windy out there. So we didn't get a lot of time on the water. So stuck in a few, uh, a few good sessions. I got to uh, row in a Hudson single for the first time yesterday. And it was next level. Yeah. I, I didn't flip. So that was good. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. We'll call that a 10, a 10 on the scale of one to yeah. 10 for the week. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And just like Lisa said, I mean, sometimes we get really windy weather in Indianapolis, but Saturday in the water was like glass. It was perfect, just absolutely perfect water. So, and we were lucky enough, uh, what was it, maybe two weeks ago, we had a regatta, a local regatta, a regional regatta, and the weather was perfect for that. I actually wanted to ask, because I just saw on the news, wasn't there a huge tornado that came through not too far from you? Uh, yes, actually, it went through my neighborhood. Wow. So, yeah, so luckily our house has minor damage, but there's some houses that are going to have to be rebuilt oh, wow. in the neighborhood. Wow. So, yeah. So I wasn't sure I was going to have internet for this, but internet came back on today. No power last night. Oh, well, extra thanks for making this work for us. Today. Oh, sure. No problem. Glad you're okay. Thank you. Yes, everybody's okay. That's the main thing. Oh, well, um, Zach, how was your rowing week in your rowing weekend? Yeah, so I was actually uh, bedridden this past weekend, so unable to make to practices. Fortunately, we've got, you know, a good stable of master's coaches between our learn to row and our technical programs who were able to help fill in for me. Um, but back to 100% and excited to, uh, to hopefully have a good week of practices this week. Yeah, we missed you this week, Zach. Uh, sure it. did. To help our listeners get to know our guests, we put you through a lightning round of questions we call the hot seat. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah. So all of you will answer every question and we'll go in this order. We'll go Janet, Zach, and then Lisa. Port or starboard? Both. And I also skull. If I have to pick, I'd pick port. So... Coach Zach made me do both, which I'm very happy that he made me do both. So yeah, I do port and starboard and then also skull. Bow seat, stroke seat, or engine room? I'm usually bow seat in the, or in the bow four is usually where I end up, which is a great place to be. I get to watch everybody else. Stroke seat. Engine room all the day. <laughs> Head race or sprint race? Oh man, that's a tough one for me. I actually like both. 
And that may be weird, but I do like sprint racing just because it's quick and it's only a thousand meters, but head racing is kind of fun too. Love head of the hooch. Uh, I prefer to coach sprint racing, but race head racing. So I just did the, my first sprint regatta just a couple weekends ago. So I don't have a whole lot of experience with that, but I really liked the head racing. I liked the challenge of keeping that mental focus for that long. So I would probably say head racing. Okay. Unisuit or tank and trow? Oh, tank and trow. I'm too old to wear a uni. Sorry. <laughs> uh, uni all day, every day. Definitely the tank. And I've never heard that word before. Trow? Is that a rowing term? <laughs> yeah, the the, okay. the lycra shorts that we all oh, wear. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, then that'd be me. <laughs> nice. Uh, favorite Cox command to give or receive? Oh, the favorite one. Um, good grief. That's a toughie. My favorite one. Uh, probably around ratio. Get back your ratio. You know, don't rush the slide. Um, either in two way enough, particularly at the end of a race, or when you're side by side with somebody when they shout out that they've got the other boat's foul ball. I would say anytime it can help me, you know, catch together or finish together or drive together, you know, just those one liner words um, where they're sinking in with whatever you're doing and saying it while you're doing it. I feel like it really helps me kind of refocus and, and do all the things I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> Favorite place to row? Well, I, I guess my home course, Indianapolis. I do love it there. It's a beautiful venue, um, lots of wildlife and birds. And it's just, I really do enjoy it. But I also enjoy Head of the Hooch quite a bit. Uh, I'm sure this is an answer you've received plenty of times, um, but the Charles River. Mm -hmm. That's a popular one. Yeah. yeah. It's probably because it was my first race, but we went to Pittsburgh and rode through the entire city. And there was like 13 bridges we went under. And I just, it, it was freezing cold. It was sleeting. It was absolutely the most horrible conditions, but the water was flat. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm on this river going under all these bridges with these other people on this boat doing this crazy sport. So I think forever, that will probably be my favorite, my favorite race course. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Best piece of rowing advice you've ever received. Probably the best piece of rowing advice I ever received was, what am I doing wrong? Always look at what you're doing and not necessarily everybody else, but always what can you do to make your stroke better and not worry about everybody else. Um, my first ever coach, I struggled my first few months rowing. Uh, it was really bad. Um, and he just kept telling me, hey, just breathe, right? Just breathe, relax you know, we'll get you there eventually, but if you're going to be tight and tense and not be able to focus on just rowing and breathing and being relaxed, you're never going to get there. So just breathe. I keep trying to remind myself even to this day when I'm rowing, just breathe. Well, Zach, your coach must be speaking through you because that was what I was going to say was, is just relax. I, and I, I don't feel like that really hit me until this year. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, well, if I relax my arms, then, you know, I can catch easier and, and I don't have to hurt my forearms and my wrists when I'm rowing and just taking a breath and breathe and that the recovery you're supposed to breathe, like <laughs> little things like that, that people say, but you just, I don't know. It's so, it's such a complicated sport. It, it, it's hard to take it all in, but relax for sure is the word. Okay. Last but not least coffee before or after a row. Oh, before no question, maybe two cups. Wow. Uh, definitely before. 
before, during, and after would be me. Yes. <laughs> That's great. We, we get such varied responses to that. And actually lately we've gotten the no coffee response from a lot of people. And you're the, the most emphatic we've had in quite a while about coffee. You want to go into rowing origin stories, Tara? Yeah, let's, let's do it. So uh, both Rachel and I have a lot of fun uh, talking about learn to row. And that first time you get out on the water and the first time you hold the oar in your hand and what keeps you coming back to the boathouse, what you remember and what got you hooked. So Zach, let's start with you. How did you get started in rowing? What was happening in your life? Yeah. So um, growing up, I played a little bit of everything, kind of your cliche Midwestern kid. When I got to high school, uh, I realized that I uh, had some athletic limitations to play uh, high school football and high school baseball beyond riding the bench. So I struggled through those freshman year. Sophomore year came around um, and I had a few friends who had rowed our freshman year um, and they were pestering about uh, me, me about it pretty much all freshman year and eventually convinced me to come out. And as I mentioned earlier, I, I was really bad. I started in the winter, so started on the erg. First race was a indoor um, ergata, um, which, you know, didn't realize at the time how unenjoyable that would be and, and struggled through it at first and um, was actually ready to quit. And then my first coach was like, hey, just give me two weeks of the summer. We're going to do small boats, see if that, you know, helps at all. And that was also really bad. Um, but the belief he had in me kept me coming back. And eventually I figured it out and became a pretty good rower. Um, and I think that's what's kept me in the sport is I've never again, having played a lot of different sports and had a lot of great coaches, I've never found a community that's more supportive than rowing. I think there's a lot of understanding of uh, our sport in a lot of ways is built around suffering and suffering as a group, both physically and mentally. And I think there's a unique bond that's formed by people who row and understand rowing and love rowing. Um, and it's a, it's a tough sport to turn away from. I've done it a couple of times. So it's kind of the itch that never goes away, I've found. But yeah, I think it's the support in the community, which I know is a very cliche answer among people who row or coach, but that's what initially got its hooks in me and has kind of been the, the core of what keeps me coming back and keeps me involved. I like that a whole lot. The, I mean, we do we do talk about community a whole lot, but there's a certain way that you just described it, like the uniqueness of the suffering <laughs> and how we all understand that and how we support each other through that, through that suffering. And hopefully the suffering leads to, to some, some joy and successes on the water too. Absolutely. Lisa. So you just got started rowing last year. What was going on for you that you found IRC and got on the water? I was at F45, my local gym, and they have an herb there, a, a concept too. And you only use it for like a minute at a time, right? But I'm on it, and this guy that I've never talked to, never really seen in classwork, comes up to me, he goes, hey, you row? <laughs> I was like, no. He goes, you should, and walked away. And I'm like, what is that? Like, who's this random dude? And this guy was jacked, like super buff. And I'm like, maybe he rows. So I just went up to him after class, and I'm like, hey, when you said that, like, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, I used to be on the Indianapolis Rowing Center team. I loved it. I've got kids now. I can't do it. And he's like, you should row. And I'm like, well, how do I do that? Like. I didn't row in high school. I didn't row in college. He's like, oh, no, no, no. There's, there's learn to row for adults. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, I didn't even know they had that. I didn't know that thing that even existed. I, when I was thought rowing was something you had to get into when you were a kid or else it was just the last cause. And it was funny because it had always been on my bucket list. Like mm -hmm. I always saw it in like a movie or something. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. I want to do that. 
he's like, go on the website, you can sign up, went home that day, signed up, joined in May and like have completely fallen in love with it. I'm really happy that that random guy said that one line that has like, for the last year, completely changed the trajectory of my hobbies and my sports and, you know, all all kinds of fun stuff and all the people I've met too. So it's just ridiculous. Moving from the erg to a boat, what was it that you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I think I want to keep doing this. All it's all the things, you know, I mean, it's the team, you know, having a coach, you know, I, like I said, I didn't really do a whole whole lot of sports in like high school and college. And then, yeah, the people, I mean, everybody is so gracious and so kind and patient (laughs) would be the biggest word with me. Um, Just knowing that I don't, I don't know anything. So yeah. And then obviously just the, the water itself is just being out there, you know, you can't think about anything else other than rowing when you're rowing. And so it's a really nice mental and physical break from everything. So it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful sport. All right, Janet, what's your backstory? Well, like I said, about 20 years ago, I was just looking for some other thing to get into, some sports, something. I didn't really have a whole lot of hobbies. I mean, I did bike riding. I did kayaking. I love the water. I've always loved the water and boats. And so I did some research and found out they actually have rowing here in Indianapolis. So I signed up for a class, took it and loved it. Just absolutely loved it. As both Zach and Lisa have said, it's a community. It's, it's the people is what's really also drawn me. Not only is it a sport that I love doing and that I get some physical benefit out of it, but also the people, the people keep bringing me back. So I've just always enjoyed it and look forward to many more years. Absolutely. And there are many, many years available for all of us. And I love that U.S. rowing now has like JKL categories. I saw some of those out on the water yesterday and at a Mm -hmm. regatta in Delaware. It's definitely one of my life goals that I picked up from rowing is is just, wow, like you could really do this as long as you want. Mm -hmm. which is just the coolest thing because there aren't many sports where you can be competitive at, you know, an an older age. Yeah, you're right. Like there's a senior Olympics and I think that's an amazing opportunity. But on the other hand, like our club has an 82 year old man who's been rowing since he was 16 and he gets out in boats and he rows in his whatever category that is, I've lost track, but he can also get in a boat with some younger rowers and bring the average up and it's allowed and accepted and applauded and all of that. And we have several masters rowers who have had injuries that they couldn't keep doing whatever other sport they were in, but they can row. And Mm -hmm. so rowing kind of helped them through recovering from that injury um, and just gave them a whole new purpose. Yeah, I used to coach senior rowers. They were 60 and up and my oldest was 82 and they were all kinds of condition. You know, they were post-stroke, post-heart attack, post-hip replacement, post-knee rebuild, you know, but they were so fanatical, not only just about being on the water. We There were some people who would refer to them as the duck watchers, right? Because they, you know, people would say, oh, they're not there for a real workout. And they would be like, oh, hell no. You know, it may not have always been pretty because their bodies weren't, you know, 18 years old, but it was always such a thrill to see people really challenge themselves all the way up well into later in life. So I love coaching seniors. At IRC, like what's the age range of participants there? Well, we've got multiple programs. 
So we do have a, a middle school program. We've got a junior program. We do have some collegiate rowing, and then we've got the master's. Zach may know better the oldest master, but it, my guess is it might be close to 70. Yeah, with, within a given year, we'll go for our master's program, age 21, with our you know college summer rowers, um, all the way up to 72 right now is kind of our range. Janet, how long have you been the president? And maybe tell us about some special challenges for IRC. Oh, goodness. I, I don't know. I've been on and off the board for a number of years, probably over the last 10 years. I've been board president maybe five years now. And I think some of the challenges that we have are, you know, obviously we're not for profit. And so it's finding funding to, you know, improve our infrastructure, replace our fleet, make sure we're paying competitive salaries and competitive wages to coaches and staff. And we do have some uh, wins sometimes, and we have had some situations where our course has been ripped up by debris, but we have done some things working with the city to create a, a berm that helps prevent some of that. So just those have been some, some of our challenges is, is just the keeping the course and keeping all our equipment updated. But again, it's the people, in my opinion, that really make IRC who we are and what we are. I've enjoyed working with a lot of the folks and our junior program's growing, our master's program is growing. And I think a lot of that has to do with having a consistent coach like Zach. He's been great for the program. And then finding newer rowers like Lisa um, and getting those folks into the master's program. And looking ahead to the rest of the 2023 season and even farther down the line, are there plans and initiatives that the board is working on? Yes. Currently, we are looking to replace our bubble docks. We have agreed to go ahead and, and start that replacement process. So the big thing is right now the docks, we want to fully replace all of them, including our retrieval docks. We have a tower and we want to make sure we keep that finished tower in as in good shape as we can. So we're, we'll be looking at what renovations we might need to do to that. We do have an adaptive program. So we're also looking at what we need to do to broaden our reach for adaptive rowers, which means, you know, the, the new dock will help also with access. So those are a lot of the, the key initiatives that we're looking at right now for 2023 and into 2024. Sounds ambitious. I, Rachel and I have a great respect for boards and people who do service, like I said earlier, and five years is a, a big commitment. And so you must know the organization really intimately. And I love that you mentioned consistency. I think Rachel and I both talk about what makes a boathouse home. It's a second home for us. You know, it's a home away from home. And and I think consistency plays a big part in that, whether that's policies, people, programs, you know, the big features of a boathouse. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. So yeah, we, we have some ambitious things that we're going after, but sometimes you have to shoot for the stars and see how far you get. The Steady State Podcast is sponsored in part by Breakwater Realty Group. Home buyers are flocking to Maine for mountain, lake, and ocean access, friendly neighbors, and above all, relaxation like you'll find nowhere else. If the vacation land lifestyle is one you'd like to explore, reach out to the folks at Breakwater Realty Group, brokered by EXP Realty. 
With agents up and down the coast and inland to the mountains, they'll provide the friendly expertise needed to get you into your next home in Maine or New Hampshire. Learn more or contact the team by visiting breakwaterrealtygroup.com. In two, we're back with Indianapolis Rowing Center. That's one, two. Tara and I are coming to Masters Nationals. We're very excited. It's going to be our first time there. But for those of us who haven't been there, Zach, can you tell us about uh, where you row and a bit about Eagle Creek? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Eagle Creek is a public uh, city-owned park here in Indianapolis, and we row on the reservoir there. We've got about 5,000 meters of rollable water, which is perfect for training. Um, you know, can get an easy 10 to 12,000 meters in an easy practice. As Janet mentioned, can get a little windy. I think if you talk to people who have either been to Indy on a bad day or they have talked to people who have been to Indy on a bad day, uh, I think it can be a little overblown just how bad uh, the wind is. I think every course, unless you are fortunate enough to row on a truly secluded body of water, is going to have weather issues from time to time. And I, you know, having grown up rowing on the Maumee River personally, I, uh, I think rowing on some bad water can have some coaching advantages, but uh, no need to go down that uh, thread too much. But um, yeah, it's a great body of water. We've got a, a fantastic boathouse um, that I think really fits where the club is now. IRC hosts at least three to four, if not more regattas annually. Um, so we're definitely set up for racing. Um, the water's great. The 1K course or 2K course for our, our junior events is fantastic. Not only great for those who are rowing, but also fantastic for spectators. Um, so I think it's it's really a, a place that is built up to host some high quality championship caliber events and really excited for people who will be able to experience that here at the end of July. I've read a comparison that Eagle Creek is to Indianapolis, what like Central Park is to New York or Lincoln Park is to Chicago. So Lisa, when you're out there, what do you see when you're out on the water? It, if you're looking outside of the boat. Yeah, yeah. I'm not she's not, right? I'm not. <laughs> Don't keep your head inside the boat. You know, honestly, it, it's just gorgeous. It's it's typical Indiana scenery. You know, right now it's it's green trees and there's literally eagles. Um, I mean, I was out there on on Saturday and a bald eagle is flying across me. You know, just a couple yards ahead, and it's just you know that kind of scenery and to be out there doing something like rowing. Um, and to be in that environment, it's just, it's especially I, I've, I've just this last couple of months started rowing in the morning and in, in the sunrise and it's, it's just beautiful and calm and, and, you know, a little bit of fog and an eagle. I mean, come on, that's not a storybook. And when you drive into the park, um, it's a little treacherous because I, it, there's, it, it's windy and, and it does take a little bit of patience to get through it. So anybody coming to the park, drive slow and the, the turns are a little aggressive. And uh, be be cautious of animals. So deers will come across a bird, a, a duck, like whatever. <laughs> and we have a lot of geese. Speaking of ducks, so be be aware of the geese. I love that we're getting a little insight into how to behave when we're there. You know, there's going to be a, a thousand or so athletes descending on Indianapolis. So we wanted to ask Janet, what is the rowing scene like in Indianapolis? Is IRC the only club? Well, we are the only rowing center in in Indianapolis area. Like I mentioned earlier, we do have various programs. We do have an adaptive. We do a middle school program, which has 
you know, 40 to 50 kids in it. We have a junior program that hovers around 90 and we have the master's program. IUPUI rows out of the rowing center. We also hold various clinics. Um, there are some organizations that have um, children that have some sort of disability that we've held clinics for. We've also held clinics for veterans, uh, again, for adaptive rowers. We also like to do some fun things for the masters and the juniors. For instance, um, in August, we're gonna do a half marathon row. And so that's gonna happen in the morning and we're just gonna, you know, you row kind of around the whole, there's two pools is what we call them at Eagle Creek. And you just kind of row around those pools. And so it's more the bragging rights of how far you rode on the water, as opposed to we've also done um, half marathon and marathon on the ergs before, but I much prefer to do it on the water. So we're looking forward to that. So we try and incorporate some fun things like that. We also do some other outreach to at-risk youth. And again, we're trying to broaden a lot of those programs. It sounds like you're juggling a whole lot. You have a, must have a really great dedicated group of not only coaches, but volunteers. Yes, we do. We have some of the best volunteers. This year, we had quite a few regattas, and we have one more coming up, the big one. And people have just come out in droves, and we're hoping they'll really come out in droves for the um, Masters Nationals. But we have a great group of volunteers who have just made the events run as smoothly as possible. We've got the Hoosier hospitality. And Indianapolis is a great city. I've lived here for almost 30 years now, and I just have grown to love this place. What is it about Indianapolis? I've, I actually haven't been, so I'm looking forward to visiting. Well, I'd be interested to see what um, Zach and Lisa think of that, but I think Indianapolis, it's just a, a great city. Um, there's a lot to offer. There's culture, there's sports. It's a, it's a big sports community. And it's just, uh, um, people are great here. They're just very friendly, open, um, a lot of restaurants, a lot of things to do, and there's rowing. So what else, what more could you ask for, right? So we're looking at a map and it looks like it's west of Indianapolis, the city. So it's this special reservoir. And I think we have it's 1,400 acres of water and 3,900 acres of land, 10 miles of paths. So shout out to all of our people who like to warm up by going for a little run. It sounds like they're going to have a lot of fun places to go. I would imagine that there's volunteer opportunities for masters who are arriving that weekend for the event. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we have a, we, a sign up genius where we list all of the volunteer positions. So, the, yes, there's a lot of opportunities to volunteer and you can always come to our volunteer table and say, hey, I'm available tomorrow afternoon. What do, what do you need me to do? Yeah, I would imagine that's that's might be a realistic scenario for some people who really kind of feel like I don't know what to expect when I get there. I'm coming from Chicago or I'm coming from wherever. So we'll we'll make sure we plug that uh, opportunity for folks. So, Zach, one of the things I love doing is recruiting people to row in like the coffee line uh, mm -hmm. or in the grocery store, as Lisa was recruited at F5. Um, what do you what would you say is your recruiting line, if you will, to get people to come and try rowing at IRC? What do you tell people? Yeah, I think it's it's one of two things, because um, I think there's the, hey, I'm a former rower. I don't row anymore. I've kind of played around with the idea of coming back to the sport. 
you know, why should I? And then there's the person who's never rowed before has either heard of rowing or, you know, hey, you're six foot five. Maybe you could come row on our, our team. For the former rower, I think it's it's plugging a lot of the things we've talked about um, that is just kind of universal to rowing. And hey, we've got a great community. Um, we compete at, at a fairly high level. You know, we row in a great body of water. We've got a, a consistent core who shows up. We're going to have multiple boats out um, every single practice. Um, so it's reminding them of kind of the nostalgia of, hey, this is why you liked rowing, but it's not a six or seven day commitment like it was if you were a junior rower or a collegiate rower. For the new people, I, I think it's, hey, how would you like to challenge yourself in a group that is going to support you no matter how difficult you find that challenge, um, which I think is really unique um, for a sport like rowing. You know, you think of the other sports that are comparable to rowing or that rowers either come from or end up going into, um, running and cycling being the two big ones. That That's a very isolated, on-your-own you know, you deal with the challenges that you struggle through as you're running your 50 miles or you're biking your hundred miles, whatever it may be. Um, whereas rowing, it's, Hey, this is going to be a challenge. You're going to push yourself physically. Um, it's a great opportunity to meet people, grow community, but you're going to be supported the entire way. You know, you're not going to go through any of these challenges alone. So I think it's, Hey, would you like a challenge, but would you like a challenge where if you fall, everyone's going to be there to catch you and keep you moving forward. I love that. Lisa, all right. So you just got into rowing last year, and I'm sure you've noticed that rowers like to talk a whole lot about rowing. Um, yeah, I picked you, up on that. <laughs> yeah, you've picked up on that. So since you learned to row, do you find yourself talking to basically anyone who will listen to you talk people, about rowing? Yeah, people are starting to not want to talk to me because all I want to talk about is rowing. So yeah, my, I'm seriously annoying all of my family, all of my friends. Yeah, I've tried to recruit every single person I've ever run across. I even got up in front of the gym the other day and was like, hey, guys, anybody interested in this? Like, and everyone's like, we've all heard your pitch. No, we don't want to row. Yeah, keep keep it up. You just haven't warmed down yet. I know, <laughs> I know. I actually did get my, uh, my husband to try learn to row. And he's been super supportive on my crazy mission down this, this path. But I asked for my birthday for one present. I said, will you take learn to row? this coming spring. And he's like, I don't want to, but I will. And he did it and he tried it and he quit. <laughs> he just said it, you know, he's like, you guys are crazy. I appreciate everything that you do. This is way too hard. I'm out, but I'll be at every regatta to cheer you guys on. <laughs> so, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. You've yeah. got that support, you know, yeah. um, and we can't all love the same things. So oh. it's okay. Exactly. Um, yeah, Chad is a go-to oar carrier for us. At oh, that's nice. Uh, always there to lend hands. Yeah. So he's he's not what we call a rowing widow. Then he's not doing off doing something else. He's actually involved. He's involved, but I think he would say he's a widow because you know we practice a lot, and so you know basically from five thirty to nine, I'm gone almost every night, and so he he does you know, he he cries about it a little bit, but he's okay. He's supportive. So. <laughs> Rachel and I have talked about doing a, a rowing widows episode where we talk to husbands and wives and partners left behind. 
uh, by the rower. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> the support actually, group. Be good. I and, funny. <laughs> I, I'd actually love to hear their perspective on things. Like in general, I think they're, they roll their eyes at us a lot when we just mm-hmm. can't stop talking about it. Or like I was talking to my husband who's not a rower, but he was with me this weekend at a regatta. And, you know, I know a lot of folks and we're talking about rowing and basically he's like, I just started tuning out. Like I stay engaged as long as possible. And then it's like, you know, the... <laughs> the eyes roll back in the head and you just shoot out because there's only so much. If you're not a rower, you can't get into the the lingo and the excitement about some of it. But it is excellent to have folks in our lives who support us and uh, put up with us and put up with our, yeah. our crazy addiction. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite images from a master's event was my teammate's husband who, who had to come, I guess. He had to come with her and he was in a Hawaiian shirt and Hawaiian, you know, kind of print shorts. And he took his lawn chair and he like put it in the water and he sat there for the whole rest of the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) His arms crossed, just like totally supportive, but he just, he figured out the secret sauce. We just brought him snacks, you know, every once in a while. (laughs) Yeah. My, my husband's like Lisa's is very supportive and, uh, he would come to all the regattas and help carry oars and help carry boats and rig boats, de-rig boats. So he's been through it all, but hasn't quite taken the rowing plunge. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm going to bring this back um, to Eagle Creek and IRC and make our way into talking about Masters Nationals as well. And so, you know, there's been a lot of discussion in the last uh, few years, especially about where U.S. rowing hosts their big championships and um, moving away from Florida for a little while, um, giving new areas opportunities to get their rowers there. You know, when I talk to a lot of masters rowers. I think they have this sense that there are a lot of venues that could host something as big and complex as a master's uh, championships. But then when I talk with folks at U.S. Rowing, they kind of set the record straight. Like there is a lot that needs to happen. And there really are just a few venues that can host big regattas like this. And Eagle Creek is one of them. Can you tell us a bit about how the course came to be? I think that was in around the 1980s. Well, yes, it's eight lanes fully buoyed on both sides, which not every venue has that. And it's 2000 meters. We also uh, have this year been able to put some weights in so we can set the starting platform now at 1000 meters. So we did that a couple of weeks ago when we had a master's regatta, and then obviously we'll do it for master's nationals. Through the years, we have held a lot of it started back in the late 80s when we had the Pan Am Games in Indianapolis. Since then, we've had a lot of different regattas, Big Ten multiple times, NCAAs multiple times, various regional regattas, various national regattas. And so through the years, we had the tower built. We also have replaced the course. I mean, uh, our buoyed course is pretty intricate. And so um, we have to set it up and, you know, be very thoughtful. We take it out in the winter because of the freezing and thawing and all of that. We also have a few years ago, were able to get funding through an endowment to purchase starting platforms, which were wonderful. Uh, And I will tell you, it was so much fun instead of having to do a floating start for a master's regatta to be able to actually lock in at a starting platform was great. 
We also, through the years, every year at least once, we have the course aligned by professionals to make sure that all the buoys are aligned appropriately and that that's all set really well. So yeah, it's just kind of evolved all starting back in the 80s when we started hosting some big, big events and and then just continue to maintain it through the years because you do have to maintain a course. So it's just like anything else, motors, launch boats, you know, oars, whatever, whatever equipment you have, we also maintain our course and put in new lines every few years. One of the things I know about these big events is that sometimes you have to share resources. So having enough launch boats for marshals, for instance, and I'm just wondering, is there an entity that you partner with? And I know it just takes a lot of logistics. So I guess I'm curious, like who, who helps you put this event on either locally or in the community? Well, I mean, we have an events committee and it's overseen by our executive director. I'm also involved in all the meetings just to be there to help. And if there's something in particular that I can help with or volunteer, but we do partner, we, we check with other clubs. We also have several universities not too far away that sometimes we've been able to borrow equipment or they rent it to us because launch boats is a big issue because you need to have so many launch boats for Marshall and, and you guys know all that. We also have to work with the parks because we are in a city park and there is a, a it's called a beach. It's not much of a beach, but there is a beach house that's really close to the finish tower. And that's where we're going to create kind of a village, so to speak, with vendors, including, you know, merchandise, food, and some things to, to really help create that sense of community with the rowers. So I'm really looking forward to just creating a great environment for everybody, but it does take a lot of logistics and pretty much we work with obviously U.S. Rowing on this event, but then all the other detailed logistics, we just figure out who we can partner with within the community to help us. So yeah, I heard I heard the the word beach and I got really excited. It's it's a little area. They call it a beach. It's got a little bit of sand and then it's got a retaining wall. Yeah, do not, do not get excited about the beach. Yeah, do not get <laughs> if excited. I wa- about if I wanted to, could I like walk down the beach into the water and take a little dip? No. I would not recommend that. Not yeah. recommend yeah. it. Okay. But you know, we're getting a vibe here. It's, like, uh, it, it's no. more of a logistical issue of where do you get into the water to swim? There's okay, just so I was imagining a, a reservoir, a large reservoir, and, and we have a venue here in Seattle called Green Lake, and one end of it is a beach with a lifeguard, and the other end is the boathouse. And Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So there's like a lot of houses that surround it in certain parts. And so it's just, there's, there can be challenging to find a spot to go post up and then get into the water to swim. And the one spot that you can swim is right by our course. So oftentimes there's a lot of our boat traffic. So it's just challenging to find space to swim. So I have a really important question. Cox and tosses. Yes or no. If we win, all of our coxswains are going in. Good. Yeah. Good enough for me. Yep. Okay. Okay. Because this is an important question for people who are bringing their families and spectators. Tell us a bit more about your plans for this village, because that's where kind of the fun is going to happen, right? Is there a, a beer garden or a, tell us about that. 
Yes, there is a plan for a beer garden. There will be limited hours. It'll be sometime in the afternoon. Um, we are also hoping to have some live music. It will be probably a one, two person band or group. And this village is actually a fenced in area and it's by the finish tower, which is great because then you can sit there and enjoy the community and the beer garden and the shopping and the music and watch, you know, the races finish, which will be a lot of fun, I think. So we're really excited about creating this kind of community. I'm really curious, um, Lisa, this is going to be your first Masters Nationals, right? Yes. You're so lucky. It's your home course. You don't have to travel. You've got home course advantage. Are you excited? Are you nervous? How are you feeling? I am so stoked. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah, just to, it, it's just cool just to say that you're going to do that, you know, and, and be able to be in competitive boats and compete at a level like that. And just the prep for it, the excitement of it, you know, the our team is really getting together. And, and like Zach said, we always have great attendance at practice, but it's getting better, you know, and, and more people are showing up. We're putting, being able to, you know, race our lineups consistently and, and, really kind of put our heads down. Um, my women's eight, we actually have a text trail where we're doing this squat challenge just to try to, you know, just whatever we can do just to get a little bit better before, before, uh, us masters. And just to get that little extra edge, Zach told us when we, uh, when we raced at this most recent regatta, we got second, which is awesome. We were super excited. First thing out of his mouth was you guys need to cut off 13 seconds, <laughs> which I love. Like, I love the fact that it's like, Hey, congrats, second place. Here's your medal let's go. You need to get better and here's what you need to do. So it's just, um, it's exciting. And, and I'm really looking forward to it. Surprisingly, I'm not nervous yet. I like oddly have all this confidence in our team and our ability to just get in the boat and do what we need to do and get it done and, and hopefully come out with whatever the outcome is that something we're happy with really. Yeah. Well, and I hope that you can hang on to that, that sense of confidence and inner calm because when the butterflies get going, I've never found them to be beneficial. Right. <laughs> you know, then you're like yeah, hyperventilating and, and you've got all this, you kind of build it up so big in your mind. Yes, we want to be successful. Yes, we want to win medals. But at the end of the day, we don't have sponsorships on the line. No, we don't have million yeah. dollar contracts on the right. line. So right. go out there, have fun. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's yeah. just, it's going to be, it's going to be neat just to be in that environment. I went to, to Chattanooga the, last year and to see that many rowers. I know one of the ladies took me to, there's a hill there. I'm sure you guys all know. And she's like, look at all the oars. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe there's that many people that do this. This is so cool. You know, and I, I think this is going to be another one of those exposures for me of just, wow, this is really is a bigger community than I ever had a grasp of, you know? So I think it's going to be neat yeah. to see it in person. I might have to steal you. I'm going to be doing man on the street uh, correspondence. I might have to steal you to come with, come around with me and meet some, meet some folks. I love that. Like, great. <laughs> this is a great new rower. Like tell her everything. Yeah. Well, I, I find it so interesting to see the, the outfits that people are wearing, the setups that people make at their tents, like people get really creative and, and uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. The snack yeah. tables at the, the snack tables and, and, and like the juniors having like posters of themselves and stuff like that. I'd never seen anything like that. They have their own little like hype tent. So it's like, this is nice. We need that for masters. <laughs> Oh, that's a great idea. The hype tent. Yeah. So I've been thinking a lot about, you know, Masters Nationals with it just being around the corner. And I've been thinking about like how long I've been rowing and thinking about some of my earliest memories of being at Masters Nationals. So I learned to row in 2001. 
And then I don't think I made it to master's nationals until maybe 2007, but, you know, being wide-eyed about it. So many people there, the entire spectrum of the age ranges. And again, like Lisa was saying, I just can't believe it's such a big deal and so many people are participating. So Janet, what do you think about when you think about the first master's nationals that you attended? Oh, I think the same thing that you said, just it was in awe. And the thing that stuck out to me was when they got the rowers 80 years and older together and celebrated them. It was just, it was so cool to see and to watch them go across the finish line, but then to have them over and have them up on the podium, just the fact that they're 80 years old and they just rode. I mean, it, that's kind of what I remember and just the community and being with my fellow rowers and being able to enjoy the time. Yeah, I remember from my first nationals also, for some reason, the older rowers really stuck with me. Just seeing them all on the line kind of gave me goosebumps. The actual start, the sequence is the same, but the speed's a little slower. Mm -hmm. And I love that. You know, when you're sitting on stake boats, six lanes across or whatever, and it's an AA category boat, you've got 24 year olds in the boat and there's a certain, you know, all of a sudden start five high 20 at a 40. Right. And I just remember my first master's nationals seeing the older gentleman sitting on the line and it was just a gentle lock it in press and go like it wasn't frenetic. It was probably the cleanest, most lovely looking start I've ever seen. So I'm looking forward to seeing some of that racing this year as well. Yeah. I had one more question for, for Zach, actually. So Zach, as a master's coach, a guy who spends a lot of time on this body of water, do you have any insights on the course for visiting rowers and coxswains? Without giving away too many trade secrets, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I, I'd say just be mindful of the wind. I know we've touched on the wind a couple of times. Um, and again, it's not so much that it's going to be unrowable or terrible. Again, I think that's a, a reputation that um, this body of water has been unfairly given, but I do think it's a, it's a body of water that is reactive in a non-detrimental way to wind, right? So it's just about making sure you're being mindful of where's the wind coming from. Cause it could change throughout the day. It could change its intensity throughout the day. Um, so I think being mindful of that. And then the second thing I would say, and this is something I'm sure will be harped on, um, by us rowing and our officials is once you cross the finish line, the shore is there pretty quickly. Um, so make sure you're checking water, being mindful of other boats coming across the finish line. You're going to have to stop pretty much right away. You're going to have to be making that hold water command relatively quickly coming across the finish line. All right. Good to know. As a rower, you need to listen to your coxswain when they tell you to weigh enough, because <laughs> if you're, if you're dead tired at the end of that race and you're not, you're kind of lose focus and you don't listen. Yeah, it'll be a problem. <laughs> Is this a, a 2K course and we're just rowing the last 1K? Correct. Yes. Okay. That's how it is in Oak Ridge also. Mm-hmm. Um, is the boathouse going to be open for people if they want to come check out your facility? As Will people be able to go in and see uh, the magic that is IRC? <laughs> yes, it should be open so people can come through. Yep. Yeah, well, Rachel and I look forward to checking that out, seeing you all in person. Uh, We'll be in the vendor area and we'll just be all over uh, corresponding and talking to people. So uh, we can't wait to meet you in person and and see what's happening. Great. Well, thank you for the time. We appreciate you hosting us. 
Well, yeah. thanks so much for giving us a glimpse of rowing life in Indianapolis. And uh, thanks for taking the time. And we'll see you in just a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Looking forward to it. See you Great. on the race course. Yep. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. To see photos of Zach, Janet, and Lisa, and to get links to the people, clubs, and events mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes on our website. Listen to more episodes about everything from indoor rowing to rowing across oceans. Search the podcast archive at steadystatenetwork.com slash podcast dash topics or listen on your favorite podcast app. Steady State Podcast is sponsored in part by Concept2, making world-class rowing products since 1976. Learn more at concept2.com. Barb, for short hairstyling needs on and off the water, get Barb products at thebarbshop.com. EB5, the online community helping those seeking a green card through the EB5 visa program. Find out more at eb5investors.com. Steady State Podcast is made possible with listener support. Become a patron today for early access to episodes, discounts on SSN swag, and invitations to patron-only events. Join us at steadystatenetwork.com slash Patreon. Hey, Tara, I think some listeners might not know that Steady State is more than a podcast. Yeah, we also get together on Instagram Live for Coffee Chat every Friday morning at 8 a.m. West, 11 a.m. East. We bring that post-practice Coffee with Teammates vibe online to talk with the community about all things rowing. Grab your favorite mug and add your voice to the conversation. And make plans to find us at the 2023 U.S. Rowing Masters Nationals this weekend in Indianapolis. Get more info when you subscribe to our weekly e-newsletter. This episode was written, produced, hosted, and edited by me, Tara Morgan. And me, Rachel Friedman. Tara provides additional audio engineering and is our sponsor coordinator. Rachel manages our website, social media, and e-newsletter. Our music is by Jonas Hipper. Between us, we have nearly 40 years of rowing, coaching, and coxing experience. Tara is based on Vashon Island, Washington. She founded Seize the Oar Foundation in 2010, is fanatic about coaching Learn to Row, and believes the pair is the best boat. Rachel is a longtime rower, coach, and coxswain at the Anacostia Community Boathouse in Washington, D.C. She's also the owner of Row Source and is a tiny bit squeamish about sculling. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Steady State Network, Seize the Oar, and Row Source. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, I guess that's it for today. <laughs> In two, way enough. That's one, two. <laughs>